Two for Fox sake. My name is Pete Selby, and alongside me on the airwaves is Rob Hayes. Rob, how are you? All right. I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm not all right in terms of football, but I'm all right health wise. But I hear you are a bit of bit of bad in both worlds. Oh, minging. Oh, yeah, we hit hit hard by this uh, kind of a cold thing. But yeah, proper. Yeah, it's proper proper not me to be perfectly honest. But there we go. But never mind. So if I do cough or whatever, or bleh, or sound a bit minging, then uh, there you go. It just goes with the territory. But I'm off my deathbed and ready for for fuck's sake. Because at least the football has cheered me up. That's been the oh no, it hasn't. That's the uh, that's the issue really. I was. I mean, after the Forest game, first of all, we've not been we've not done this for a few weeks. Obviously, with either um, a clash of uh, of schedules or games etc but also with uh, obviously oh God, I couldn't do one yes last week at all but um yeah we uh, it was strange because the forest game I mean it went so well didn't it but then who you're playing against next and you're trying to weigh it up especially now especially after the Bournemouth game do you weigh it up and you have to throw into the fact that you know one result doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get one next game or performance even but um it, it it looks a stranger performance and result now than it than it did kind of at the time. Forest weren't great. They really weren't. They're a mess. But we did play well. We were very good. We were just like the Leicester that we know. There, there was no fluke about the win. There was no... Um, I think it just definitely wasn't down to the fact that they were poor at all. We, we really did play well. And we looked busy. We looked up for it. And... They were excellent. It could have been could have been more. But then you go into the game against Bournemouth, thinking they they, they obviously do need to get the result for where they are in the league, etc. But they didn't get the results, and there wasn't the performance. And worse than that, they were in front. They had the game in the palm of their hand against a side who aren't one of the great shakes in the league, and it was. Poor goals again being let in by a defence marshalled behind them by a goalkeeper who really shouldn't be there. It's So it, it makes it doubly worse, trebly worse even. I, I know they're not exact words, but that that's the way I'm thinking at the moment, Rob. I'm thinking since we last did a podcast, cryptically called Rogers Out in Backwards, but uh, I, I don't think anything's really changed. I know we've beaten Forest, but I don't think anything has changed. We've had one performance at home where it looks like everyone was up for it, and then since then we've just reverted back to type. Is that being too harsh, or is that just absolutely accurate? Not harsh at all. Absolutely true. I am. Um, I'm quite glad actually that we didn't manage to get in a podcast after the Forest game because there would have been a danger of us getting a tiny bit optimistic again, only for Leicester City Football Club to do what they've done over the years and drag it away from us. The, yeah, the Forest the forest game. 
I thought we were good. We and in spells we have been good going forward this season. We we know that the problems are at the other end. But then if you look at the fact that Forest have only scored six goals all season, um, then you can see how Leicester won the game because scoring goals isn't massive and a massive issue for us. It's stopping them going in the other goal that we seem to forget how to do. So when Forest they got in behind a couple of times, uh, they had the one that came off the the face of the post rather than the inside of the post, which could have could have been very different for for one nil Forest. But it, there's no doubt we uh, that we deserve to win the game. But Forest are bottom of the league, um, and if you can't get yourself up for a game like that with the crowd playing such a ridiculously good part. Um, I wish I'd have been there, but I watched it all on on TV and, and I, I got the full full whack of the atmosphere. Then, if you can't win a game like that, then you definitely don't deserve to be in the Premier League. But what that game needed to do is not turn Leicester's players into into magicians overnight. It's not solved. It, it hardly solved any problems apart from putting three more points on the tally towards forty. But what it had to do was give Leicester some kind of springboard for a mini run of results because the fixture list is all right up to the World Cup. And a 4-0 win against your local rivals on a Monday night, under the lights, the atmosphere, first win of the season, leapfrog them into the dizzy heights of 19th and put them bottom of the league... You know, if if that's not going to get you up for the next 90 minutes of, of Premier League football, then what on earth will? Because it's clear, very clear from our previous podcasts and from what most people seem to think, it's clear that Brendan Rodgers doesn't have that power on his own anymore to get the players up for it. So you've got to go into that Bournemouth game and you've got to say, right, look at us. We, we put four goals past Forest. Yes, Bournemouth are going to play in a slightly different way. They've got a lot of good championship players or you know those those that kind of are good for the championship but not not quite premier league level they've got a caretaker manager they're on a reasonably good run of not getting beaten if not setting the world alight you've just got to go there and stick it to them just like we did against forest and one nil at half time was okay the first half performance was decent even if you're not totally in control of the game at all times you're in control of the scoreline and for then the mistakes and the and the lack of it's not necessarily, I don't know if it's lack of effort but just switching off and the individual errors but happening three or four of them within the same passage of play and for the manager to come out and say we got too comfortable how can you be comfortable when you're 19th in the premier league and you're only beating bournemouth 1-0 off the back of your first win in the premier league how can you be getting that ridiculous wage as a manager and as players and say, oh, we got a bit too comfortable. Somebody, it's not the manager anymore because he can't do it. Somebody on that pitch has got to drag them up and say, this is unacceptable. You're getting too comfortable. Give them a kick up the arse and say, you need to graft here because that's exactly what Bournemouth did. Bournemouth worked hard till the end. Gary O'Neill's got them organised and he's got them believing that they can get something out of a game. And they did just that where Leicester absolutely crumpled once more and it is becoming a frustratingly recurring theme. It is, and it's very, very easy to, to label this defeat as a Rogers defeat or an individual player. Fans can do that, we can do that, and I'm just about to do that. But you, you can't 
I look at the game and I go, you get in front, you're playing okay, but you're playing against a, a, a pretty mediocre side who are, who are going all right for what they are. Surely City should have gone on from then. And and they just did, they didn't, they didn't. And there's been a few people say about, obviously the substitutions happened and then the goals went in, but they were on top at the time. So changes happened from the bench. I really have to put this defeat to the to the players because you can't go into a game in not in better form, but with a, a better boost in the week than a four nil home win and a performance, and then you go into Bournemouth and then you're one nil up. But then to collapse like they did, you, you, they just can't be doing so. Now that that's not me saying that the manager it's not his fault in any way, shape, or form, and that he needs to stay. And it's not no, 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 no. no. I, I've not changed my position. But the players need to take some, some responsibility. The the goals are very odd because you can. I I really just want to lay the blame at the goalkeeper, and then you you watch them and you kind of go well. There's there's a few excuses for the goalkeeper, but still, it's not a good look. It it just isn't. And the sooner they change the goalkeeper, the better. And that's in either bringing Everson in or obviously bringing in a new goalkeeper in, in January, which has to be a, a massive priority now. And who knows, with the rumours about Schmeichel, maybe it could be Schmeichel coming back. But they need that that needs to happen now. It needs to happen for the Palace game. He's not a goalkeeper, a first-team goalkeeper at a club like Leicester. It just isn't the case. Even against Forest, it, there was still a little bit of miscommunication on occasion, and it still wasn't quite right. And no, it's it's never gonna be right. That's the one. I think that's the I think that's the thing with Ward. Um, from the games we've seen, which have obviously been very poor, you just look at it and go. Do you know what? If he has a good game, then a good game for him is making some really good saves. But then again, every goalkeeper at Premier League level should be a, a decent shot stopper, should be a very good shot stopper and be able to make them saves. It's everything else, isn't it? It's the commanding of his area. It's the commanding of his defence. It's the communication. It's uh, the distribution. It, it's it's that solid goalkeeper that you, you kind of rely on. And that's not there. And I just don't think it will be there with him. So I, I, for me, even if he has a string of good games, he still needs to be changed because I just don't think he will be ever that that goalkeeper. And, and it's maybe no surprise that he, he hasn't. And the more it becomes clear that when you're know, playing for international level, it, it's a different kind of game. We've seen it with outfield players over the years, players who have either been exceptional in Premier League level and failed at international level, or vice versa, those who excelled at international level and maybe been slightly average club players. It's um, And obviously when you're playing for a team like, say, Wales, it is slightly different. How many players have played for Wales who have been championship lower Premier League players who have been fantastic, had careers with over 100 caps? So... The goalkeeper still won, and and that that needs to change. It's 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 terrible. It's it's dreadful, and we're in the same scenario as we were building up to the Palace game, as we were building up to the Forest game. If they go behind to Palace, then the atmosphere is going to change. It's going to be toxic, and if they lose to Palace, surely then the change needs to be made at the top. Um, I think a draw he might get a bit of a stay of execution, but. After the game against Bournemouth, 
I, 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 that's my position still. Uh, I've not changed. The, the club need to make a... Uh, I, st- I still say the best thing that could happen is we go and beat Palace and we go on a nice run of, of wins or draws, etc., getting results. And ultimately, we finish in a very comfortable position in the Premier League. And then at the end of the season, or just before the end of the season, the club and Rogers together make a decision on what's happening. And because we know a load of players are going to be released at the end of the at the end of this season because they've only on their last year of, of their contracts there is going to be a huge change and you're probably going to throw in a Madison there as well because at the moment even if Leicester finish in 10th or 12th he's surely going to be missing from the World Cup squad and that's just going to accelerate his I need to probably leave Leicester to get in the England squad even though a new manager in England which will probably be the case after the World Cup regardless of what happens will more than likely bring him in. So there's going to be a a fundamentally a massive change this summer, which we know we said last summer, but this time there will be because it's just natural lengths of contracts. So the best thing that could happen is Rogers guides it through to the mid-table and then at the end of the season he decides whether he wants to leave or go, the club as well, with him, and there we go. But that means that we get a nice run of results and if that's not going to be the case, the change needs to happen and it needs to happen now. He's, I can't see it happening before... I mean, we're recording this on what Monday night. I can't see it happening before, again, the Palace game. Um, but my position has just not changed. Absolutely not changed whatsoever. If it, if he stays, gets the results, great, fine. But if not, it needs to change now. Because you're looking at other teams. You're looking at teams um, like Bournemouth. It's not only that we've lost to Bournemouth and you're thinking, well, hang on, that's that's a team that we maybe should be picking points up from, or we should be. That's a team who, technically, we will be fighting relegation with if things carry on. I know they're going great guns at the moment, but surely they're going to come back down to us in the league. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? But that's that's going to be the case. And uh, it's it's just not good enough. But do, are you in the same boat, Rob? Are you in this, the kind of the same, as, as we last spoke a few weeks ago, that's kind of where I still am. Are you the same? Yeah, yeah nothing's changed for me. Uh, I'm still of the opinion that right now, the only way that anything gets freshened up and players get clean slates and, and, and can sort of dispel some of the demons is by changing the manager and the coaching staff. There, There is no physical, there's physically no other way that this can, that, that things can change because... You know, if you like, I said before, if you can't start a four-nil win against Forest as as a bit of momentum to get a, a run of results together, that is then followed by Bournemouth, then your last sort of motivator is gone because Rogers can't motivate the players. Therefore, the only thing that could have, in my opinion, is a bit of momentum, a, a sort of belief that oh, we won the last game. Yeah, I'm feeling all right about myself. I'm going to go and perform again. But having said that, I want to put on record, on for fuck's sake, that I'm not blaming Brendan Rodgers for the Bournemouth defeat. I think overall, the squad shakeup didn't happen, so the manager shakeup has to happen. If you didn't listen to the previous podcast about us, essentially... Rogers out but backwards, um, then that's that's sort of what we discuss on there, really. But Brendan Rogers can't individually, in those two moments that lead to the Bournemouth goals, he can't physically be on the pitch and jabbing those players that are walking 
or switching off or making an individual error. He can't be on the pitch jabbing them and making those things not happen. There are 11 players on that pitch. There were, what, 14, 15 players involved in the Bournemouth game for varying degrees of time. And somebody, at least one or two people, have got to take some responsibility and they have got to physically drag everybody else through this because... Right. We don't know. We're not in the changing room. We don't know whether the Leicester players still believe in Brendan Rodgers. We we don't know that. You never will know that. You know, unless you're one of those players yourself, you don't know how the group are feeling towards Rodgers and his coaches. Um, But from the outside in, it doesn't particularly look like they've got a huge amount of uh, of desire to get a result for him, really. So... There's got to be, you know, Johnny Evans has said himself, he's a captain that leads by the way that he plays on the pitch. He's not the most vocal. So where do you look next? Well, Danny Ward looks like he's hardly whispering to himself, let alone speaking to anybody else in front of him. You've covered the footballing aspect of that absolutely perfectly. It puts the frighteners on everybody else. Every time the ball is in the Leicester half, essentially, whether Leicester have got it or the opponents have got it. So he's not the one giving you the rollicking Kasper Schmeichel would have been. Vardy's now in and out of the team a little bit. And he's another one really on the pitch. Unless something really riles him up, he's not going to be getting on. I'm not even saying getting on his teammates' backs. I'm just saying geeing him up and saying, come on, get your head in this game. He's not really one of those either. Tielemans, experienced international despite his age, on the leadership committee. You don't see him shouting very much on the pitch. You just see a lot of Leicester players plodding about, doing about 60-70% of their own job, and and that is it. Whereas, you know, I'm people probably used to hate playing with me because I was one of the worst technically on the pitch in terms of my actual ability, but I'd stand in my position at centre-back and I would be constantly gobbing off at everybody never really having a go at anybody but just saying right you need to come in here or if somebody's having a bit of a breather on their way back from a, a run down the right hand side whatever I would be yelling at them to get 10-15 yards further back before they put their hands on their knees and take a deep breath and that's Saturday morning amateur football it's the basics of it you've got to have people in that team that are going to drag the rest of them through it our left winger always used to turn up desperately hungover to the point where his heart was still was going about twice as fast as it medically should have been. And the last thing he wanted to do was do a 70-yard run recovery run back after he'd just done a 70-yard burst down the left-hand side. But if I shouted at him three or four times, eventually he'd have no choice. I wouldn't shut up until he did it. Do you see anybody on the pitch for Leicester at the moment doing that? Because... Obviously, I'm watching most of the time through the TV, so I'm only seeing what the, the TV pictures are showing me. But I don't see it. I'm, I'm hopefully getting down for the Palace game uh, um, on Saturday lunchtime, um, so I'll be able to take a sort of more overall view of it. But but you don't see it, and you don't see where it's coming from. So if your manager's not motivating you, and there's nobody on the pitch getting you up that extra 10%, 15%, then you are going to continue to struggle to get results in the way that we are. I just take a swig of my Covonia, by the way. Um, Swigging be it out the bottle, it's serious. Oh, mate, yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, you'd be heartened to hear that when I bought this earlier. I got it back. I took the lid off, put it down, and then I was like, oh, I 
I'll have some. So anyway, I picked it up, gave it a good shake, obviously, before, and of course the top was off, wasn't it? <laughs> threw, threw half a bottle of Cavonia around the place. Just <laughs> what you need when you're feeling rough. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I must admit, I did laugh, but like, oh, no, it's just what you want, isn't it? It's like, I think I've just varnished the place, basically. Um, uh, well, well, yeah, what were you on about? Leicester, crap, that's right. Yeah, um, just, just leadership on the pitch, because if the if the manager's not leading anymore, it's it's got to be it's got to be somebody else. The, you've got to think, right? I'm playing for this team, right? Yes, you, you know things aren't going so well, but the only way that you're going to get out of it is by sticking together and, and dragging people through. And I, I just don't see it in a, in, in a completely different um, two different clubs and different scenarios, but. You look at the Arsenal-Liverpool game, right? And the problem with Liverpool at the moment is that if you look at them over the last four or five years, they were just so intense, weren't they? So intense, closing everyone down. Um, you know, that rock and roll, heavy metal football, wasn't it? That And and it was intense pressing. But of course, when they had the, then picked up the ball, a lot of it was counter-attack football and counter-attack football from any position on the field. So you pick the ball up on the halfway line, bang, 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 goal. And or you pick the ball up in your own defence, quick passing, bang, 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 goal. We, we've seen them do that at the King Power a lot, and they had the players to do that. So when you've got Salah on, on one side and Mane on the other, and then Firmino, who was in the middle, as a great linker, etc. It was it was perfect for that, and the bombing on 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 fullbacks. And the problem that they've got at the moment is that they have just ran out of steam, and. The players have got to a certain age, you know, in the midfield, and it's and the players are replaced them are just not quite as good enough to actually do that, or haven't brought into that kind of that that way yet, and they're just not quite the team that they were. And when they play against an Arsenal side, who for the first time in ages, all of a sudden are playing with it turned up to eleven, and they are now that team go bang bang every single player right into the tackle, didn't they? and then obviously they're good players. So it's working and the, it's so intense, but that's their moment now. That, that, that's what they're going through. They're in that real intense period where everyone's buying into it and it's work. And then you look at Leicester and on Monday, that was the case. They were right on it. They were into the tackle and they were winning the second balls. They were passing the ball lovely and yes, against a, a forest side, but they did that and they got the results. They go to Bournemouth and it's the same as pretty much every other game this season. In fact, every other game this season, apart from the Forest game, where um, maybe the couple of halves at the start of the season at home, but all of a sudden that intensity, which I know is a terrible word because it just reminds you of Claude Puel, but that wasn't there. And, it, and um, I don't know why. When you're 1-0 up, surely it should be more. You know, that's where all of a sudden you go 1-0 up. Right, let's go up again. And this is maybe a Rogers thing where they should have been, right, here we go, go for the kill, get in there, get stuck in there, let's really, really press, let's really go again and get that second goal. It didn't happen. And not just the second goal, but again, that performance. And when you then concede, you can concede a goal in any way, shape or form in football. And if someone lets fly from 30 yards out and it goes in the top corner and you're playing extremely well... But there you go. And then maybe you give away a dodgy penalty at the end and you lose 2-1. But at least fans fans aren't stupid. We know when a team has played well and really given their all. Leicester, all of a sudden, the shoulders drop. And it's like they know. They're waiting for the equaliser. They know what's going to happen. And when it happens, 
they will kind of shrug their shoulders and put their arms in the air and go, oh no, you know, and all that. And a few of the players might have excuses. It might not be absolutely their fault whatsoever and they're looking knowing exactly what's going to happen because they're that sort of player. Someone like maybe a Yuri Tillemans will look back and go like... Oh, why isn't you know what what is wrong with the defense come on defense you know we're trying our hardest in midfield and that and i know he's not that kind of closing down player and everything but and i'm not saying he's not to blame for anything but it's you can see it's going to happen rogers obviously could see it's going to happen that's why he made the changes you know bournemouth came on top and right we're going to change things around there was one you know, a couple of injuries as well so it, that's the disappointing thing that's the, the big issue. If they went 1-0, if Leicester were 1-0 down after five minutes and they just struggled to get back in the game and then eventually they lose 2-1 with scoring a, a late consolation goal, then that would be a, a very disappointing display. But to be, it's worse when you're 1-0 up in that position to go, right, this is going to be two wins from two. Let's kick on again. But they haven't got that. And essentially, what I'm trying to say, Rob, is that I can't see how Leicester are going to win a game of football apart from against the absolute rotters in the league at home because unless there is a very bad error from the opposition or a really bad refereeing decision because we've been in fronting games at home and thrown it away. We've been smashed away from home and collapsed as a first-team unit away at Brighton, away at Tottenham. And then we've been... In front, away at Bournemouth, on the back of a morale-boosting win, and still throwing it away. So I've, I can't put into my, I can't think of a scenario how Leicester can actually win a game of football in the Premier League without help from the opposition or maybe the referee. Because if we go in front against Palace, they're going to come back in the game. They, they've got the defense. They've got the, the players to hurt Leicester. We've seen that over the years. I mean, Will Zaha must be laughing coming up to the King Power on Saturday. It's, you know, the, the one thing that's annoyed me with the kickoff being 12.30 is it's exactly the same as Anstey Nomads against Chesterfield in the last qualifying round of the FA Cup. Terrible for Anstey because that's going to lop off, a you know, quite a big chunk of the attendance, possibly. You never know, in, in their biggest game ever by a million miles. At the moment, I'd rather go and watch Anstey Nomads than Leicester. It's... And I've got no saying. I've got, you know, I don't care what anti nomads do. But like, it's it's that scenario at the moment. And I've had a, a few people on on Twitter and on Facebook say the same. Um, I'm on uh, Twitter at the moment. Tom goes for a few points. He says something doesn't feel right at the club. Persisting with a strategy that isn't working and expecting a different result. Why? Yeah, I think we both completely agree with that, and that's the reason why we would like a change of manager. Uh, the lack of action by top of the board is odd to the point of beginning to wonder if we're in deeper trouble than we realise. Who knows, really? We don't really know about that. But the performances have become so inspiring, uh, uninspiring, a one-dimensional attack, output down the left flank, it's so predictable. Uh, our defence so consistently frail and trustworthy. Absolutely. Uh, frustrated to the point of skipping games to watch highlights. Every match is Groundhog Day. Um, I went with um, Ant Dickens actually to the game on Monday. He says we've got a 100% record for games that he's attended. Yeah, cheers, Ant. Um, uh, and then uh, we've had on Facebook, um, Oscar actually. I've been for a while, Oscar. I hope you're doing all right. Uh, the warning signs have been there for quite a while. Awful, awful transfer campaigns over the last couple of seasons. Players kept against their will. 
uh, mega hype local talents who turn out to be no more than just plain order on top of a manager promoting oh so boring style of play who's clearly no longer in charge of the squad or in control of the squad Justin and Madison can't solve every problem by themselves uh, and he says get well soon thank you very much and I think everyone probably would just completely agree with those points of view and again when it comes to the manager been fantastic been great the club and the first side, the first team needs a fresh pair of eyes. They need uh, this Volt Vass, by the way. I, I thought it was very impressed with him against Forest. Um, yeah, look looks good. But what we were saying before with Vestergaard, etc., and just the whole unit, it needs a fresh pair of eyes. And the further we go on, and you use the term "kick up the arse," they need to kick up the arse because we're slowly. Being, I mean, people would say this is mad because we are in a relegation dogfight, but we are slowly creeping towards a season of avoiding relegation. Now, I'm still not saying that because of the run of results we've got, a run of games we've got coming up now. Um, but if we fail to beat Palace or at least get a result, say, now I'll probably say beat Palace. We need to beat Palace. If we don't beat Palace then I think I'd probably kind of go, right, we're in a, we are in a relegation season now. Um, I just think if we do beat Palace, then because we know the team's there, we know the players are there, and they're more than good enough to be nowhere near relegation, then I, I think we've, we've got that ability to get out of things before it turns into that season. But if we don't, then we are bang in trouble. Well, half-time of the Palace game is a quarter of the way through the season, and if you're not winning that game, you've only got one win from your opening quarter of an entire Premier League season. And between both of us and seemingly everybody else on social media and everybody other Leicester fan that you will ever speak to, nobody can see how Leicester next win a football match. Then something has to happen, doesn't it? There is there is no other way, no other way out of it. The, the, the Leicester squad has been carrying a fair amount of either dead wood or people that don't want to be there for for a little while. We, we, we're aware of that. But they've at least usually been kept as part of the group, kept reasonably happy and used at times that, that, makes the, that, that worked for Leicester or the times that they were needed. You've got players like Suyuncu, who a couple of seasons ago was unbelievably good who now doesn't make the match day squad. You got somebody signed very recently like Yannick Vestergaard who doesn't make the match day squad. Now you can have your own opinions on these kind of players but for for this many players to be just cast aside it can't be a positive environment to be working in because let's say your mates with with Cags because he's been there a few years he, he, he strikes me as a bit of a character I'm sure some of the lads get on really well with him and you're seeing the manager leaving him out in the cold for whatever reason we don't know exactly what's going on there um he's, he's Rogers has come out and publicly said he's not he's not training very well and that's why I, he's not I in never the squad, whatever, I never believe but, sorry Rob I never believe when people say oh he's fell out with the manager um as in any player because they're not playing always fell out with the manager i'm very quick to kind of dismiss that because i think it's a very easy thing to say but i think they've fell out (laughs) i think they have fell out yeah but you hear stories of like the great great managers like 
Sir Alex Ferguson, I saw Rio Ferdinand saying something about him the other day where he'd had absolutely, Ferdinand had gone off at Ferguson when he played for, for United and, and Ferguson had gone back at him in front of everybody and it was a big old bust up and then Ferdinand goes in to apologise the next day. First thing he does, because he's got that respect for the manager, he said, I don't, I'm not apologising for what I said, I'm because apolog- I think my opinion's right, I'm apologising for, for how I said it and for doing it in front of the group. He said, Ferguson, I had one more big old pop at me and then like the next day he'd come and chat to me at lunch and, and we'd be absolutely fine. I think as, as the manager of a football club, it is your job to, to lead a team of people um, it, it, it's obviously a different job to, to one that most of us have ever experienced before, whether you're listening to this and you lead a team of people like a football manager does or not. like Ultimately, yes, some of your your staff might have performance targets, that kind of thing. But the, the team element of a, of a team sport like football requires everybody to be on the same page and it requires and it's an atmosphere kind of thing. Leicester won the league on it, for goodness sake. They won the league off of being together. They didn't win the league off of spending hundreds of millions of pounds on world-class footballers and, and having them individually tear other teams apart. It, it categorically does not work. Even teams like you mentioned it there about Liverpool, really good over the last few years because they all expect the best out of each other. Yes, they've also spent some money, but the players that, that kind of think themselves above that that work rate or 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 become too individual they very quickly get found out and they either fit into the system or they're moved on the same at Manchester City Pep Guardiola yes he's spending a ridiculous amount of money on players and wages and what have you uh, and yes he's got the choosing of the best players in the world just look at the machine that they've got going up front but they their system doesn't work unless everybody is working towards the same common goal. And I don't know whether there have been falling outs in the Leicester team, but right now the atmosphere around the club, the squad, the fans is not very good. That's why they needed to get off the back of that Forest result and just, even if it masks things for a little while, fine. It, it, you can paper over as many cracks as you like as long as it gets you three more points in the Premier League for me. Not bothered. It's not going to be harmonious all the time. It's got to be dogged. But you've got a manager who's in the top six, top seven highest paid managers in the league. You've got one of the biggest wage bills in the league. The expenditure over the last few years has been huge. Bournemouth, got to be somewhere near the bottom of what they're paying their staff, their manager, who's obviously in, in temporary charge. But all he's done is set them up to make sure that they're still in games. Because even at 1-0 down at half-time, he said in his post-match press conference, didn't he? He said, I told the players that the first half was was fine. They've, they've, they're, they're doing good stuff. They're still definitely in the game. And then they, they believed that they could go out and get something from the game. And they absolutely did that. You can't tell me that most of those Leicester players in at half-time in the dressing room were sitting there feeling that they were going to get something out of the game. I think the Bournemouth players would have been more convinced they were going to get a result than the Leicester players when Leicester went in 1-0 up. And Leicester, on paper, every individual player is better than every individual player on that Bournemouth team. No question about it in my mind. And you still end up losing the game. It It is getting beyond baffling. Yeah, it is. The first, I don't know whether listeners have, have had these conversations with the mates yet or 
or whether it's just now creeping in because we're we're into October. But one of the the things I've heard recently, as in in the last like two or three hours, um, we were talking um about managers and not to do with Rogers absolutely whatsoever but about the change in managers in fact actually it was kind of based on on FPL actually but um regarding what happens during the world cup and and then it moved on to players and then it moved on to managers in like obviously an international period is where managers change and that's what we kind of thought it might be the case when when England were playing a few weeks ago didn't happen obviously but there is the, the theory now where teams like Leicester and, and, and Top etc et and the um, and John Rookin and all them like they they might be looking at it going, look, what we're gonna try and do is we're gonna try and cling on until the World Cup. Okay. Um, obviously if things get so bad, you know, we lose to Palace, lose to what you know, it's gotta go. But try and get to the World Cup and then we can make a decision because there's going to be a lot of clubs there making similar decisions. There's going to be a, a merry-go-round of managers because you've got a long period of time there to make changes um, and to mainly bring in managers from clubs that you maybe thought you, you wouldn't be able to get them because they're currently employed, etc. So that's one theory which I look at and go, do you know what, that, that seems to make a lot of sense, first of all. Um, try and get to that World Cup break. Secondly, you look at that and go, well, hang on, that's that's still quite a few weeks away. And also, if you have a manager who's out of work and you want, why not bring him in now to save that? Because you're still going to have to sack the manager and then they can have a run of games before having a set period of time with a squad, which in Leicester's case, if you run through the players who actually are going to be missing, they're still going to have a fairly sizable first team of current players who actually are not going anywhere. If you look at the first team itself, <laughs> the goalkeeper's going to be going. In fact, Everson probably will be going as well. Um, the back line, um, Vass be going? Um, obviously, the, the, the Belgium contingent will be. Uh, obviously, Madison not, Vardy not, Barnes not. Um who knows with I don't, we're not going to be but Justin probably not it's not going to be like some other squads where and I'm talking the whole of the Premier League here there's going to be some clubs where if you look at their best 11 absolutely all of them will be going to the World Cup um maybe one or two would say like some maybe Italians obviously won't be going but Leicester won't be as affected as, as many. So you'd be looking at going like you could have someone come in and really work on the team and the style of play, the change, should I say, in style of play. So when we hit the ground running again in the Premier League after the World Cup, they should be fully up to speed of what a new manager and new ideas are like. That could easily be something that they're looking at. And and again, these these kind of it's not conspiracy, but these these ideas get thrown around at different times of the season and you kind of does it seem plausible or not? Um, that does seem quite plausible to me. The kind of wait until then or trying to survive until then. Obviously, that's not really a way to, to run things. But this is football. This is the way uh, football is sometimes. But I, when I heard that, I thought I, I, I kind of nodded at the time when I, I can see that. Yeah, and it's unprecedented to have such a big gap in a season, isn't it? It's not happened before, um, certainly not in the modern era. 
and like you say, for for a team like Leicester to have the the bulk of their first team squad staying at the training ground, they they're not really they they don't need time off. They they're not going on internationals. The season, yes, it's been congested a little bit, so you might want to rest them up ahead of you know the busy Christmas ke- uh, schedule and everything. But by and large, they're still going to be coming into work and coming into training. That would be an ideal opportunity and an opportunity that you never, ever get if you're changing your manager in the middle of a season. And and the added bonus of that is, yes, OK, we're not going to be major players in the in the transfer market, but you've got one of those soon after you've had that period of time on the training ground mid-season. You have a run of games up to and around Christmas and then you can say, look, if if we're gonna if we've got the budget, can I have this kind of player in this kind of position? You know, that's the kind of thing you'd work out if you're the new manager during that World Cup period where you've got time on the training ground. You'd think, right, this is this is what I'm I'm missing, and really you're looking at a goalkeeper as a matter of priority, and I still think there has to be a way to get greater balance into the team with a right winger. You know, all the noise was that the, the Luckman deal that wanted to go through, but they didn't have the funds or the structure of the deal wasn't right. And he's doing very well for himself in Italy. Uh, it just it would offer Madison less responsibility in that kind of position so that he could do what, what he does best. And you could restructure the, the formation where you actually could get somebody closer to the central striker. But you know that manager, this new manager, if if they do exist, if it does happen, if it is the plan, you know we're obviously speculating right now. But that is an opportunity for that to happen. If you let that pass by, and whilst you're still not totally convinced that you have the faith in Brendan Rodgers, the time disappears very very quickly. The games get very congested, and all of a sudden, if you think, oh, we'll wait another fortnight, that could be four games, and and. The Premier League season isn't that long. It's 38 games long. It's it's really... Th- this is the reason why some of the teams have already made the, the jump. You know, Bournemouth, obviously, Scott Parker got himself sacked. Let's be perfectly honest about that. Bruno Large has gone already. A lot of championship clubs have, um, have ditched their managers. Um, and, you know, I'm never a massive advocate of it, but I can't... I can't really... Having had this conversation with you, Pete, for the last three quarters of an hour, I can't see any other way that we get out of the relegation zone. No, I mean, it's uh, sorry, just a little bit of Cavonia. Um, this episode is sponsored by Cavonia, chesty cough mixture with uh, what's he got him? Non drowsy, so we're all right, we'll, 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 sort, we'll sort of carry on. Um, no, 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 I can't. The only do you know what? The only way I can see less, it's it's the home form. Because the King Power crowd behind them, the way that they played against Forest, the way that they've played at home in a couple of halves or a couple of 60 minutes so far, you can't see Leicester getting a result away from home anywhere. They go to the city ground, they've got the ghosts of January on the back, they go to Bournemouth and they get beat. Where else? Fulham, they get turned over, Mitrovic will have a field day. So... You can't see them get picking up any point. This is the problem, isn't it? This this is the fundamental problem. This is what it boils down to. You can't see them getting any points apart from home games where, for some reason, the players are all up for it like we've seen them before and 
Uh, Tiedemans is playing well, knocking the ball around. You've got Jewsby Hall running around all over the place, tackling, passing, doing very well. You know, Madison scoring goals, free kicks, Vardy running the channels. It's at just like it was against Forest. That's the only way you can see Leicester actually getting anything away from home. They've got no chance. They've got absolutely no chance because even when they're in front, they're going to get turned over. And if they're behind, there's only one thing that's going to happen. And that's in the last 15 minutes, they're going to collapse and concede five or six. And that's the problem. That's the absolute nut of everything is that if you can't see where even a draw is going to happen or come from, that's why changes need to happen. And when we're talking about, you were talking there about, oh, yeah, you, you know, changing this player to that player and that, you know, having a right winger and all that. By the way, Lookman, did you see him get booked for this celebration? Um, he does the glasses kind of celebration, just puts his hands to his eyes, doesn't he, like in the glasses. And, yeah, he's doing very well. Although every goal I seem to see him score for Atalanta, he's kind of tapping in, but there you go. He's still doing very well. Uh, it's And he got booked by the referee because the ref thought it was doing it towards him. <laughs> Um, but anyway, only in Europe, eh? Yes, great. And but Lookman's face afterwards was just like pure. I have got zero idea why you've booked me because I don't think he even put into into kind of he didn't he didn't put the two and two together. He didn't go well. Hang on, the ref thinks I'm calling him kind of blind or something. I don't think he even got that bit. He just looked completely, completely stumped by why he's been booked. But anyway, um, yeah, you're talking about that. I've. I've now completely thrown that out the window. Like, if Barnes starts, I don't care. If Madison plays in the centre, I don't care. And I was that person who was always like, oh, yeah, put him put behind the centre forward, get him more central out wide. I thought he played quite well on the, the right of, say, a three against uh, Forrest. But again, you, you know, who you're playing against. I've, and again, the, the, the one guy that we've mentioned is about, say, Deitch coming in. And solidifying that defence. That's what needs to happen. And if that means we losing one of our players going further forward, I could not care less anymore. I really couldn't. If we're gonna play if we're gonna change to three at the back, do it. If we're gonna stick to a back four and tell the full backs if you go over the halfway line you're gonna get fined. Pretty much a la Ranieri when he changed it in the league winning season. Great, fine. Um if they're gonna play the goalkeeper as a holding midfielder and put you know, Tony Cotty in goal, fine, I don't mind. Whatever, it needs to change. And if it means dropping Barnes, Vardy, Madison, who I don't know, whoever, to fit this new system, this new way of playing, just to solidify the team so they don't collapse, then great. Because we've got players going forward who can do the damage. You know, that, that that's fine. We can still score goals. We have been scoring goals. But they need to change things at the back. And I've got no confidence in the keeper. I've got no confidence in the keeper being changed. I it, it I can understand why he didn't change it. I think it was the Chelsea game. Was it the Chelsea game that I said away at Chelsea? Changed the goalie? Um, and you were like, well, you know, it's a big game away at Chelsea. And I was like, yeah, I suppose I was a bit kind of too foolhardy then. And then you look at the, like the next game, it was at home, it's like change. No. And then it was like, well, okay, away, but it's kind of a must win game away down at Brighton. No, didn't change it. It was a disaster. Uh, then you go to Tottenham. Well, that's a big game away at Spurs to change because Villery would have been at home. Uh, no. And then you play in the East Midlands game against Forest. And then, okay, you go into 
after a good win and a clean sheet, you're going to keep warding goal. It, it kind of comes to the moment now, it doesn't matter who you're playing. And you're playing Palace at home, you've got to. You've got to play him. Unless, unless Rodgers and the backroom staff, and who knows, Everson as well, I don't believe that. But I believe if it, it, maybe they think, actually, no, he's not ready for Premier League football. I can't understand that being the case, but that might be what they're thinking. It needs to change. It needs to happen right now. And if it happens, will it change everything? It might be a dis- he might have an absolute disaster. Who knows? It could have a it could have a Zelko Kalac. Um it, it it could be a nightmare. But he could come in and he could take a few crosses, communicate well, and and, and Think of a high ball into the into the penalty area, right? A bit of a diagonal, really. It's going towards the goalkeeper. And it's going to be the goalkeeper's ball. He comes out and he claims the ball high, doesn't drop down to his knees, but hold, and then holds the ball high above his head. And uh, has a quick kind of chat with the defenders. They run out and he pushes them on, commanding, and maybe throws the ball. That sort of thing. That doesn't really need to say anything. It's just all in his actions. He looks solid. He looks... And you go, well, actually, yeah, this, this guy... Knows, and this is what the opposition are thinking, right, well, we'll kind of change that tactic because he's going to deal with that. With Ward, you don't get that. Maybe Everson the same, but that's what I would like. And you could maybe just, throughout the first half, feel from the stands the defence almost going, oh, we've got a goalkeeper behind us. We've got actually someone we can... When the ball goes, we can actually turn our back and go, right, he's going to deal with that. We can, we trust him. And that's that could make a lot of difference. And I'm a massive, and I've said a thousand million times about that, a massive believer in a change of keeper can change an individual defender's game. It really can. And I just can't see any reason why you would keep warding goal. I really couldn't. I mean, I laughed when he tried that starfish Schmeichel save. Oh, my God. He's got. He doesn't even look like a first-team goalkeeper. He looks like a reserve goalkeeper. He's not tall. He's not broad. He's not. He's not particularly anything. You know, he might be a good lad. By all accounts, he is. And I was really happy for him when he came off the pitch, and all the backroom staff there, high fives and all this sort of thing. But it was a bit of a kind of. Well done, but you're not be playing the next game. We're going to play the you know the proper goalkeeper. It still has that. Um, you know it's not going to be right. I've, today I've seen a clip, the uh, the Football Ramble uh, podcast, they um, retweeted or they tweeted a clip of Adi Akinbai and his three misses against Liverpool at home, which I vividly, vividly remember watching from uh, the cop, standing with the boot boys in the, in the cop. Um, three god-awful misses, including the last one's terrible. Um but the three misses. And I remember when Addy scored. And the crowd, if you remember, if you were around then, when when he played, like it was crap. But when he played, he went from being crap and the crowd hated him to then the crowd, because he tried really hard, the crowd, all of a sudden for about four or five games at home, it was like, come on, Addy, like really got behind him. Like, come on. And it still never happened. And then occasionally he'd score one off his knee or of his arse. And the crowd went mad and he went mad. <coughs> Excuse me. And 
And he ran over, took his shirt off, and it turns out he's the Incredible Hulk and all that. And it was high fives when he left the pitch. But you knew it still wasn't going to work out. You knew this was a flash in the pan. And you're like, yeah, yeah, he's still rubbish. But yes, he got his goal when he slipped over or whatever. And that's the kind of impression I got watching Ward. I was happy for him, but I'm like, yeah, well done. You've got that clean sheet, but it's probably not going to happen again. And... I, I I don't I'd love I'd love to know what Brendan Rogers is thinking privately. He knows he's rubbish. He knows he needs to make the change. But I don't know what's stopping him. There has to be something. And and your your uh your description of it saying that if you drop him because he's been given the number one shirt, you're probably gonna break him. You won't be able to then put him back in if it doesn't work out with Everson. I reckon that's absolutely bang on right. I think you've got it nailed on there, Rob. But it's just come to a point where it needs to happen, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. But it's game over. It's game over for Danny Ward's Premier League career if it happens, uh, and so be it. You know, as you were describing that, I was I was creating a picture in my head of, like, let, let's put it into the context of school football, right? You're playing in your year group's school team, and your regular goalkeepers, I don't know, Let's say if his Schmeichel's gone off to Nice, then your, your regular goalkeeper has buggered off on a family trip to Australia in the middle of the term and, and you know, he's, he's cleared off for, for a few of your important matches. So you don't have a backup goalkeeper at school usually. Um, so the crap right back who saved one once when you were, when you were doing something in, in after school training or football practice, whatever, you, you put the gloves on him and he stands in goal. And you know, any time that ball goes anywhere near him, you are absolutely shutting your eyes and hoping for the best, right? But in the year below, there's a lad who's playing well in goal, right, for the for the age group below you. But you're thinking, oh, do we do we bring him in because he's not used to playing with the big boys, or do we keep this lad who might get in the way of some of the balls some of the time? I feel like that's the situation Leicester are in at the minute, and. For me, for me, there is he can't Danny Danny Leverson can't do any worse. He really can't do any worse. So goalkeeping wise, throw Danny Ward's career under the bus. I'm afraid send him back to the Championship where he might do all right. Um, that's where most of the Wales international players are anyway, isn't it? Well, that's true. You said he he won't have a Premier League career. I'm not being funny. He's the butt of all jokes amongst all Premier League fans and supporters and and clubs at the moment. If he does get dropped by Leicester. He's not going to be picked up by a Premier League club, maybe on an emergency or something, but he's not going to go in as a as a first-team player, surely, at all, ever. Well, Pete, we are like 54 minutes into the podcast. Can I discuss a positive with you? Are we allowed? Is that all right? Yannick Vestergaard's starting for the under-21s. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, my mate's just texted me saying uh, Vestergaard's being frozen out because it's a Cold, oh, he's tried to be funny, actually. Cold night, and uh, he's playing for doing the 21s. The thing is, he needs game time before the World Cup, doesn't he? So That that wasn't my positive. Uh, my positive is, Pat Sandak has scored three goals in four games. The finish against Forrest was brilliant, and the predatory instinct to capitalise on a ricocheting ball in the box and swivel and bury it all in one go was a was a positive moment from the Bournemouth game and um you know you know it's a it's a big decision it's, it's big boots to fill Jamie Vardy's because he's been 
Leicester's number nine for countless years, spearheaded Leicester through through all of the glory times of our recent history. Some of the best times that that anybody can remember. Some of the best times of the club's entire history. Uh, and then Pat Sandaka comes in lightweight in his first season, doesn't really sort of have the sort of nous to to get the better of most Premier League defenders. But him scoring goals makes me, I'm not saying he's the saviour, but let's just clarify that. But it makes me less worried about the imminent departure of Jamie Vardy. Imminent being, being it's this season and maybe one more where it starts tailing off a bit and that's it. Um, but but Dakar in the goals and just looking sharp and and scoring is a positive. Can we have that? Can we have that as a positive? Brendan spoke in the week actually and he it's it's very interesting because from what he said just in its own on on its own um was excellence. Um he spoke for a good few minutes about giving players time and players adapting to not only England but the Premier League etc and a way that players can um all of a sudden be be thrust into the first team and 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 fly but then other players take time a la say a, a youth player and you know give a few examples back in the day um but, but he, he's he's very right you know you would blood a youngster gradually into the first team apart from the really good ones who just kind of click and go seems what you do with with with, with players brought from abroad again unless they just click and go but with Dakar, and I've, we've both, we've never really, I've never really slated Dakar at all. I know people say, oh, he's just not good enough. And people can jump to conclusions all the time and, and performances and that can that can show. And I will always give players time, but I, I've never understood the real, um, the criticism really of Dakar. I think people want him to have been better. That's fine. But he has been quite heavily criticised, even though I thought he had a, a pretty decent season and showed all of his qualities and there's plenty of them for a young player um plenty plenty of very very positive um plus points and not all of them physical and, and football like mentally seems a really good lad and and wants to do well that means an awful lot and then this season he's been given the chance now ahead of Kelechi and Acho and he's taken his chances. He's still slightly awkward in his hold-up play, etc. But he's very sharp in the box. The goal against Bournemouth. He's got plenty of tricks. And good feet. The goal against Forrest. <coughs> and we know that if you put him in behind the defence, he can score a one-on-one. And he's done that work against, say, Brighton, for example. In the, you know, we've seen him last season. And then he mentioned about... And, he, and and Brendan spoke really well about about that, and then he mentioned Bubikari Samari and and the same. And you can go from the outside. You can go well, yeah. From the outside, you look at it and go, well, that's that's exactly right. But then you're thinking, well, why why were they trying to sell him? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, why were they trying to sell him? So yeah, it, it, it's it sounds good, but again, it's still not quite joined up, isn't it? What what was going on in the summer? Who knows? That's a question we'll never know the answer to officially, isn't it? That well, we've had the official line. Unofficially, we'll never, we'll never know totally what was going on, will we? But oh, Pete, what do we do? Well, I tell you what, we do do is we will come up with a score for the game because 
this cough is just not going to get away, unfortunately. I think I've reached my limit, unfortunately. Um, I actually done quite. I've done a lot better than I thought. Um, so <coughs> you go first, whilst I die. Okay, let's definitely count out a Leicester clean sheet. <laughs> let's definitely count in Leicester to score because we're actually quite good at that. It's one of the one of the few things Leicester have been good at this season. Um, two 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 two. Well, I'm going to go for a two one Leicester. Um, and my endless optimism, despite you being on your deathbed. Pete. Exactly. Like um, my my nemesis of um of first goal scorer or any time goal scorer Wesley Fafana at Leicester. Remember all them t- hit the inside of the post on like three occasions, didn't he this season? Um, he ended up scoring the first goal for Chelsea the other day. Oh God. Um. And, you know, obviously now he's moved there, I don't care. But um, I'm looking at, at Volt Vass and um, I like what I see, like attacking corners as well. So I'm going for a Volt Vass goal, but I'm thinking it's going to be just a massively nervy game. And what I'm going for is a late Leicester win in face of everything I've said in the previous 50-whatever minutes. I'm going for a late Leicester win, 2-1. Um, but in fact, actually... Yeah, I'll say that. 2-1 Leicester. But I'm going to go for 1-1 and then something happens in the last few minutes of the game, Rob, and there will be a winner. And if it goes in at one end, Rogers is out. And if it goes in at the other end, he gets a further stay of execution. (laughs) 